you know, the holidays can be some of the most difficult days after loss. When I lost my late wife, Amanda, in November of 2015, we celebrated Thanksgiving right afterwards, Christmas right after that. And figuring out what to do with the past traditions or navigating the painful reminders of a holiday without someone you love can be absolutely devastating. And we know there's no magic solution to making it through the holidays, but we want to help you as you move through those days. So on Thursday, November 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be hosting a new masterclass called Hope for the Holidays, Navigating the Season When It Hurts with our very own Amy Sylvester, who's a certified coach and staff member at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. During this time, Amy's going to help you as you enter the holiday season. She's going to share with all of us when and how to grieve and when and how to celebrate, how to handle traditions and triggers, and practical tips for navigating the holiday season when it hurts. And listen, so much more. So I want to invite you to be a part of this masterclass live. The best part about it, it's completely free. All you have to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass, and we'll send you an email with all the instructions you need to join the conversation that night. Again, that's Thursday, November 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, but go ahead and sign up right now. Now, if you can't make it on November 10th, but you want to catch the replay, all of our masterclass replays are available exclusively to our Community Plus members for just $20 a month or $200 a year. There on Community Plus, you can access all of our Nothing Is Wasted content, including past masterclasses, curated pathways, live coaching replays, bonus episodes, mini courses, and so much more. Join today by going to nothingiswasted.com slash Community Plus or following the link in the show notes here. Walking through the holidays after loss can feel downright impossible, but we know there are ways to navigate that season with hope and healing, and we want to help you do so. Join us on November 10th for this very special masterclass. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm your co-host, Aubrey. And And uh, I'm Davey. Yeah. (laughs) We are... This is a little bit different. We're actually doing part two of an episode that we shared with you um, last week. Right. And um, we felt like the material, it's Davy processing the trial for those of you who right. are just joining in. And so uh, since there was so much good content and so much emotion, we felt like it would be a good idea to um, birth two episodes instead of one. <laughs> I never like saying split. We're birthing two those episodes Those of you guys who love to listen to long form podcasts. We're... Yeah. Do you ever do that, Aubrey, where like some of my favorite podcasts, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish they did more episodes. I just want to yeah, hear them. Totally. I like to think that maybe we're those people for some people, Aubrey. We're, we those, might be. we're those people for we some might people. Be. For sure. So this is part two of, of Davey processing the trial. And uh, anyway, we're so grateful for Davey doing that. Grateful that you're with us again to finish up yeah. this conversation. So let's go ahead and take a listen to my conversation with our very own Davey Blackburn.
Well, let's talk about sentencing. So what, I mean, I know, but I don't know if all of our listeners know, uh, the sentencing of Larry Taylor happened first, right? And then you went back to the the sentencing sentencing of of Deano Gordon happened first. Oh, Deano Gordon happened first. Okay. Yes. Almost immediately after trial. So real quick, real quick, Aubrey, Thursday uh, midday was when the verdict was handed down. Okay. Okay. Um, Day four at this point? Day day four. Okay. Day four, midday. Yeah. Verdict handed down. And that's when I felt this like huge rush of release. (sighs) Christy Christy explains her experience that when when the prosecution said the state rests, like gave final arguments to the state rest, it's like that's when relief went over. I was like, wait a minute, like the past seven years and now that's it. It's in the books, right? The state rests. Man, what a wild thing. Yeah. And then when when he handed down the he was going through all of the different counts, it's fourteen counts that were mm. they were that he was charged with. He was convicted of twelve of those counts. He was going through the counts and when he got to the count of murder. Yeah. And he said guilty, it was just like like and I almost like it was involuntary. I couldn't even like control it, you know. But I had um, you know, Christy was sitting on my left. We were all sitting there together, all of her family, the whole family like stayed in town all week, just like mm, yeah. friends were there, you know. But um Christy was sitting on my left. And then my best friend Kenneth was sitting on my right. Aww. He had flown up. Um, he's a pastor in Delaware. And good guy. He's the guy that I was talking on the phone to out in the driveway, hung up with, and then walked in to find Amanda. No. Yeah. So So it was a really, um, Mm. in a lot of ways, it was a really beautiful thing just to have like, yeah. here's Christy right here as a reminder to me of God's redemption and restoration Mm. through all of this. Yeah. And here's Kenneth right here as a reminder to me of um, a friend is closer than a brother, Mm. right? And as scripture says that, that that friends are, they're like, they're born for adversity. Yeah. And he's been walking with me mm. through adversity for mm. longer than seven years, but definitely through these. At seven, least so. seven years. Yeah. Wow, um, Davey. It just reminded me how important it is to be a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Be a good, you know, be Over a brother, the long so. haul too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right. So the sentencing, uh, then the next week, the next Monday was the sentencing for Deano Gordon. Christy and I went by ourselves. The buyer's family had gone back to, you know. Oh, okay. And and this is just another one of the situations where literally it was like last minute. They're like, oh, by the way, we're doing the sentencing. And oh. they couldn't come down for it. It was like, so it was just more frustration of that, right? Yeah. Just like, so Christy and I went by ourselves to the sentencing and Diano had um, several family members represented there. Hmm. Um, Man, this was a, this was a huge, this was huge. Um, Observationally, several family members, all women. Okay, interesting. One male. Yeah. The male was um, his little brother. Okay, wow. Uh, his little brother's name is... Can't remember it now. Maybe I'm not supposed to remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... And Diano's now in his 30s, right? Diano's now 30 years old. Okay. And so, um, I, I, uh, in sentencing hearings, what you do is you, you're all the victims are given an opportunity to read or submit a statement. And basically in that statement, what you're supposed to do is kind of like talk about what was lost and, you know, and then offer, uh, suggestions to the judge on what they, what they, 
what you think the judge should do in considering the sentencing. Okay. Deanna was getting sentenced for, um, he could only, it, it could be a max of 30 years per his plea agreement. Okay. So, okay. Um, that was part of the, part of the agreement was to lessen his, <clears throat> lessen his, um, his sentencing. Yeah. So we walk in, he has like a whole row of family members representing him and then his little brother and his, the defense is also allowed to different defense attorney. This defense attorney was like extremely amazing. Like oh, walked okay. up to me afterwards and shook my hand and said, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And wow. I'm just like, he wow. had tears in his eyes. I'm wow. like, that's wow. the defense attorney I respect. Right. Yeah, so anyways, right. Wow. Um, the defense is allowed to call witnesses too as like character witnesses to help the judge kind of see. Okay. So he calls Deano's little brother. Wow. Deano's little brother, Dion, like uh, from as a caricature, they couldn't look as more opposite, right? Really? If you look up Deano on, and you know, I have a heart for Deano now. I want to say all this stuff mm. through the lens of like, my heart has broken for Deano after wow. the sentencing. Wow. Wow. But Deanna looks the scariest of all of them. Yeah. <clears throat> Tattoos all over his face, dreads, like, uh, you know, gold teeth. Yeah. Just, like, looks really. Yeah. And um, his brother, super clean cut, hmm. young black black man now. I mean, he was, but he was 15 years old when, when all this happened. Wow. Right before all this happened, Deanna was already on the streets. He was already in kind of gang life their family moved out to a suburb of Indianapolis. And so his brother was essentially raised through middle school and high school in a really solid school, really solid group of friends. Really, So like you saw yeah, this yeah. very sociological study right in front of you, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Which just like made my heart break for like the inner city and opportunities that are lack of opportunities, lack of resources and stuff. So yeah. And would Diano's story be totally different had his family sure. moved earlier? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then the other thing that really affirmed some of what God has done in me over the past few years is the fact that there were, there were no male representations. Yeah. We find out later that Diano's dad had left the whole family. His uncle left the family, like all it right. Mm. Crime, prison, all this stuff. So yeah. it's just the telltale story Yeah. of a lack of a father figure mom's trying to do aunts trying to do everybody trying to communally do everything they possibly can to yeah. like hold this family together by a thread but yeah experiencing a lack of resources and lack of uh support so <clears throat> um so i i read a statement to diano um and you know i can post the statement or something later if we want to do that but um afterwards well, so so Deanna's brother gets up and he says, first of all, I want on behalf of my mom and um, I, I want to apologize sincerely to the Blackburn family. Whoa. Just like acknowledging like right out of the gate. Mm. Now here's this kid that was 15 years old when this happened and now he's seven years later, 22 years old. Right. Um, and it's just like, wow. Uh, so very poised, very articulate, yeah, very confident. Lots of courage. Yeah. But he was the only one that spoke on behalf of the family. You're just like, wow. wow. Man. <clears throat> so I read my statement. Then Diano's given an opportunity to stand up and re and say anything he wants to. If he wants to plead to the judge, if he wants to talk to his family, anybody he wants to, 
He doesn't yeah. address the judge. <clears throat> he doesn't address his family. He turns around, looks directly at me. And he couldn't compose himself for probably oh. two, two and a half minutes. Wow. Head down, tears coming down. Woo! And he just says, mm. I, I have no idea how in the world I could ever tell you how sorry I am. Mm. And all of a sudden this like rough exterior just like melts, right? And he said, I want to acknowledge the fact that I could have stopped all of this. Like takes extreme ownership. Unbelievable. He said, I could have stopped this and I can't live with myself. Oh. I don't know how I'm going to live with myself. I would absolutely hate me if I were you. And to hear you. Wow. Offer offer me forgiveness, and which you is well, you didn't say me. this, but that when you read that's to him, I, that's part statement. of what your statement was, yeah, <clears throat> right. And he said, "I just don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how you can do that." He said, "I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. I'm so." And he just kept over and over. I'm so Davey. so sorry. I'm so so sorry, Davy. And um, again, he didn't he didn't talk to his family. He didn't talk to the judge. He didn't ask for a lighter sentence. He nothing. That's what he did. That's just what he chose owned, to do with his just words. Owned it. That's a <clears throat> integrity right there. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So I felt the Lord tell me, while this chapter may be closed, there's a new one opening up and you're supposed to go visit him in prison. Oh, stop it. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I don't know in the world. You're like, of course. Like, okay, of course, God. <laughs> yeah. But if, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I want to say this, Aubrey, and like, please, please, please don't hear... Don't hear anything like superhuman out of all. Totally. Right, like, right. Hero. This, this isn't is like savior complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This yeah. is like 100% the Lord. But when we were in Jalen's sentencing, he had a pre-sentencing before the trial months and months and months ago. One of his family members started crying. Christy grabbed a tissue, reached back and handed it to his family member, to his like mm. mom or sister or something. Mm. And later the prosecution goes, did you hand her a tissue? And Chris is like, well, yeah, yeah. Why, why? Like, that's just the human thing to do, right, right? Right. They were surprised by that, and we're going, "Why were you surprised by that? We never see that. Wow. We never see that. Wow. It's always polarized, two sides. One doesn't interact with the Not other. Not going to acknowledge the other. Mm. Well, after Jalen's sentencing, we went out. We talked with his mom and his sister. We prayed with them. Come on. We like. So, so we knew going into this that these, these moments are, these are not just like very sterile, like mm. law being passed down, sentencing being passed down. This is like, these are ministry moments. Yeah. Right? This is holy. This is this, sacred. This the Lord is sacred, is at work. right? Totally. And totally, so baby. when we, we get out of, so he, he gets 30 years, the max that he could get. Yeah. We walk out, <clears throat> his family starts to come out. And as they're looking at us, as they walk out of the courtroom and, um, and I just uh, like, I don't remember, it was maybe his aunt or something that first came out Yeah. <clears throat> and I just gave her a big hug mm. and that entire group just melted. Come on. They're, they're weeping. They're crying. Aubrey, I cannot explain to you what this moment was like. It was, it was, it was supernatural. It was surreal. Yeah, and like um, so we've spent about 30, 45 minutes just ministering to his family after that. And they were, you know, just beautiful people. I mean, yeah. like just yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal, literally like we, we could run into them at any moment, you know, mm -hmm. they're working, working, you know, at, at, mm -hmm. at a bank that we go into, yep. or they're working yep. at, you know, like it's just 
wonderful mm. citizens of Indianapolis kind mm. of thing. And um, a couple of notable conversations there. One, there, his grandmother came up to me and she put her arm around me. She's like walking with a, you know, uh, a, a cr- not a crutch, but like a walker. Yeah. And she puts her arm around me. She said, I, seven years ago, I had, where I was seven years ago, she said, I was um, just gotten out of rehab. I'd done just a lot of like, just my life was messed up and I had lost hope in humanity. Mm. She said, watching you and your family and how you've responded to this has restored hope in humanity. Stop it. Come on. Like that seems hyperbolic, but you're like, yeah, you yeah. don't know the impact that you're yeah. going to have yeah. in people's life just by how you respond to trial. Oh, goodness gracious. You're just like, I was like, oh my gosh, I just gave her a big hug. I couldn't say anything. I'm just like, yeah, what can you say hug, to that? You know? Right. Um, her, his aunt, Christy and I were talking and she said, I was so uh, surprised seeing the two of you walk in. She was like, you guys are just so full of life, so vibrant. There's not an ounce of bitterness in your eyes. Wow. And I expected to just see like fuming anger hate. and yeah. hate. Yeah, of and of course. But that's what the world expects, right? Yeah. And like we're Jesus yeah. people, we're different. Yeah. And yeah. it's so profoundly, like when you shine light in darkness, right? Mm. How much it illuminates things. And they were just so impacted by the it. The fact so that they're even, to, they even noticed it tells you something, yep. right? I walked up to his brother and I shook his hand. I said, I want to thank you so much for mm. your words. And I said, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I said, uh, I looked at him. I said, you guys are church going folk, right? And his mom said, <laughs> she laughed. She's like wiping tears away. She's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I said, you know, you've, you've heard the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Mm-hmm. Esau's the older brother. It was supposed to be the, the heir was supposed to really um, lead the family. But Jacob ends up, you know, and the older serves the younger. And I said, I'm watching right now in front of me. I remember his name. I'm not going to tell his, share his name because I don't think I'm supposed to share it. Yeah, now, but yeah. Yeah. I, I said I'm, I said I, I said to him I said I'm watching this story play out right now because you are a leader of your family. Yeah. Yeah. And your family your family has lacked leadership yeah. and your brother is going to look up to your leadership. And I just yeah. started quoting for him, do not let anyone look down Aww. on you for, because you're young but set an example. He's just wiping tears away. And it was just like what is this moment what right is now? It's right? like prophetic like <laughs> That's what I think you're like prophesying right over the guy. <laughs> and I'm just like I mean it was just it was Baby. beautiful. It, and it was just like, and I don't say that to like boast in us. I say that to go, you just never know what kind of moments are ministry moments. Well, and it just feel, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're boasting. It just sounds like God was there. Dave. He was so there. I, I, was, you know? I didn't feel like it was myself. I'm like over here going, what is happening right now? Hi, friends. It's Christy Blackburn, Davy's wife and co-founder of Nothing Is Wasted. If you guys have been around here for a while at Nothing Is Wasted, you've probably heard a bit about my personal journey towards living a healthy lifestyle for myself and my family. So as a physician assistant, I've watched so many people overtaken by chronic illness, disease, unhealth. It was also a part of our own family's journey with an autoimmune disorder that prompted me to take a closer look at the everyday choices we were making and how those decisions were impacting our health. So perhaps you too have found yourself stuck in a cycle of frustration and shame and defeat as you struggle with chronic health conditions, fatigue, or yo-yo dieting. Because I know how difficult that path can be, I wanted to create a resource to empower others like you to take back your health. That's why I'm so excited to invite you to join me in January for my upcoming live 
online virtual wellness course called Back to the Garden, Holistic Living the Way God Intended. This eight-week course is not your typical health class. I'm so, so passionate about blending both scriptural truths with the scientific facts that help us live a holistic, intentional life when it comes to our whole selves. We wanna get to the root of wellness by taking you back to the garden, the first Garden of Eden, and look at the principles God gave us when it came to caring for our health, mind, body, and soul. In this course, you'll learn holistic, God-given rhythms for living an intentional life, including rhythms around food, around your emotional and spiritual health, and your environment. This course won't prescribe you a one-size-fits-all solution, but will instead give you the tools you need for creating your own simple, easy-to-implement plan that is adaptable to your family's lifestyle. But more than that, you'll get the knowledge you need to make informed decisions and live in freedom when it comes to your health. While I'd love to offer this resource to everyone, I want to be sure to give you the space to interact with me personally and get your questions answered, as well as connect with others walking a similar journey towards health, which is why I've limited the number of spots available for this course. So from now until November 15th, you can register for the Back to the Garden Holistic Living the Way God Intended course by going to www.lindenroots.com course. If you've been overwhelmed with all the information on health and wellness and have wondered how to make the changes in the right direction, this course is for you. Don't let overwhelm stop you from taking back your health and learning the God-given rhythms for living an intentional life. Make plans to join me and others just like you this January as we go back to the garden. Okay, so that's... So that was Diano's sentencing. So we still haven't heard Larry Taylor's sentencing. And just as a side note, has Jalen's not happened yet? Or his... Jalen's initial sentencing happened. So he has been sentenced, but he has the opportunity to request a, an, a, a secondary okay. sentencing okay. to see because he's fulfilled his obligation. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. he hasn't, they haven't scheduled that yet. Okay. Um, I'm honestly not sure if, uh, if we feel the weight to even go because we've gone already. We've yeah. settled that with Jalen. Yeah. We've, you know, yeah. you've I already feel read like your forgiveness statement. I have. And, and I do feel like that. I feel like at some point I'll probably visit Jalen. Yeah. Larry's a different story. Yeah, let's let's hear about Larry. Um everything that I've gathered, everything that I've heard from prosecution, everything that I observed. Diano and Jalen they have a very they have an up uphill battle for yeah. sure. As yeah. as anybody does who is trying to come off the streets, right? <clears throat> who's been involved in gang life, who's who just that mindset kind of rules their life. But they, I can see the Lord changing their life and changing yeah, their heart. Yeah, you can see their right? hearts change. And I have a lot of like compassion, like God-given yeah. compassion for them. Yeah. Larry, it feels like he is, I would hate to jump to like, like even as far as like demon possession. Yeah. But yeah. So, I was reading, um, Christy was actually reading this during our, our time away, a, a book called The God-Shaped Brain. And it's this neuroscientist, this neurobiologist who, um, he's a believer, strong believer. Uh, yeah. Tim Jennings is his name. Yeah. And he writes about like what happens in faith, like belief, and the t- like the type of God that you believe in even specifically. Hmm. So like 
believing the God of the Bible or believing kind of like a skewed, distorted version of the God of the Bible and how that plays into trauma and how that plays into the neural pathways of our brain. Wow. Yeah. Specifically the activity of our prefrontal cortex versus our limbic system. And one of the, in one of the chapters he talks about forgiveness, and this is where I've really sat and wrestled a lot, that there's certain activity. Anytime we step outside of as he, his thesis is, is anytime we step outside of the way God constructed the natural order of things to be, Mm-hmm. Right, so you can call that sin mm-hmm. if you want, right? Or like when when our when our heart is askew of that, when mm-hmm. we're right, that's the propensity that we have, the iniquity that we have, as Scripture would call it, right? Yeah, when we're out of the order. Um, the only thing that can rescue us from being out of that order is going to be Jesus, the meteor, the cross, right? Right, and then the Holy Spirit inside of us that the regeneration of our heart, yeah, and yeah. then the Holy Spirit inside of us that. Um, uh, that energizes, so to speak, right? Spiritually energizes us to be a and live out a new personhood, yeah. personhood, right? We're a yeah. new creation. So, yep. so barring a supernatural thing happening, your 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 way of life is going to be askew and misaligned from the way yeah. God created those things. Well, His yeah. observation of neural science is that when you are misaligned, that it. Um, debilitates the prefrontal cortex of our brain. So he observes this through like neural mapping and stuff like that. Interesting. That like, Interesting. And, and comparing all kinds of different subjects like criminals, like, you know, yeah. but like anytime yeah, yeah. we decide, even decide to sin, what it does is it begins to, yeah. Uh, it, be- it begins to like malay or, or suppress some of yeah. the strong reasoning faculties that we have in our prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex. And begins to strengthen the limbic responses mm. in us. Yeah, yeah. So he talks about from all these different things like justice, bitterness, unforgiveness, like all of these different things that play into all of this. Fascinating. And that when someone has continually decided over and over and over, there is a point where your prefrontal cortex is so seared mm. that it's almost irreparable, mm. if not potentially it's irreparable. Yeah. And you are literally operating completely on limbic system. Yeah, okay. Okay. Survival, Survival, fight, flight, like yeah. you're constantly, yeah. right? And so yeah. that's what you're, that's what you see happen in some of these sectors of society, especially with, with criminals. There are criminals that they have zero conscious. Hmm. It's been seared away over time, hmm. probably by a lot of different things, but, yeah. but in decisions of moving in that space rather than the repentance. And he talks about yeah. the repentance process that, that love and truth specifically, operating in love and truth, the Jesus way, that 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 begins to uh, develop, interesting, and grow the faculties of your prefrontal cortex. Interesting, so wild that yeah. God created us that way. Fascinating, right? gotta read this. So, so all that is to say, as I was reading that, I applied that to Larry because I think that I just I cannot understand, and this our whole family. How you can hear in the sentencing of Larry Taylor, Amber shared, Amanda's sister. Yeah. Dad shared. Mm. And then I shared. Yeah. Those are the three victims that read statements. Amber's was unbelievably beautiful. Mm. I mean, I like there was not a dry eye in the place. Mm. Like, if she'd give me permission, I would I would post it because it was just wonderfully beautifully written as only her perspective could but she literally looks at Larry and she says Larry I wish you had gotten to know Davy and Amanda before 
all of this because uh. if you had needed anything, mm. they would have opened up their house. They would have mm. sat down at the table with you. Mm. They would have, they would have given you anything. Yeah. Wow. wow. And we're just like, like weeping. Yeah. Right. I bet. Because of this, just this posture of grace mm. that Amber's taking and this, you know, and all three of us sharing just how much Amanda meant to us. Yeah. Sharing how devastating the loss has been. Yeah. Sharing, uh, mm. sharing the humanity of what we, what, what everything inside of us wants and yet choosing to not hold it against him. Right. All three of us, same pattern. Wow. How does someone hear all of that? And it doesn't phase them one Yeah, day. like not have their heart broken or or some tears well up in your eyes Nothing. or something. Something. Your heart even races a little faster. Nothing. I mean, and I can't, I don't, I have no you idea what his heart rate was doing. You don't know what's going on inside. Yeah, yeah. But everything about his countenance. Hmm. Hmm. And I'm it's like, cold. and so hmm. that began to, for me to hope that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and this is, it was, it, I've had to wrestle through this, Aubrey, it's really hard for me to say this, but like, um, it, be, it made me begin to hope that he gets put away for life. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause there's no, now, for some people hearing that you might be like, well, of course you hope that. Why wouldn't right. you hope that? Right. But like, I've wrestled a ton through this idea of like, what is, okay. What would it look like for Jesus to restore mm-hmm. these men? What would it look yeah. like? Like. Yeah. The most beautiful redemption of all of this would yeah. be for these men, like the story of these men realizing, having a deep remorse for what they've done and yet having their that sin forgiven by like the grace of God. That's right, yeah. And even if they're in prison for years and years and years and years, like yeah. that their life is decidedly different. Their yeah. heart is decidedly different. That yeah. this is like a, a, a cr- critical moment, critical yeah. juncture in their life that says, I don't know how I'm gonna live with that, but now I'm dying to myself and I'm living for a bigger cause. Right. And I'm like that to me, and I know I'm an idealist and I get it, right? But, but God does that. I mean, there are God does those there things. are stories of men who are in prison for murder and they came to know Jesus and have lived a total right. I mean, you know, like this is what God does. So to be hopeful for that, I mean, you know, this is a side note, but when we talk about being pro-life Christians, like we don't just mean pro-birth. We mean this kind of thing right, right here, like restoration. Right. So to see that that you're like hoping for God to do a redemptive work in his life. And there are times when you just, the person refuses. And right. it sounds like what you're saying is you're seeing from what you could see. What we could observe. That there was not redemption yeah. or remorse or. Yeah. So the Even, roller coaster or the whiplash that I kind of went on in that sentencing is like, as I'm watching this happen and as we're just like um, emotional wrecks in this thing, hearing yeah. from a- Amber and dad and I'm like, this guy has zero remorse. Mm. This does not affected him at all. And mm. I'm going, I'm sure there's all kinds of mental unhealth that's also at play. Yeah. Here. Like, yeah. Could be even some serious spiritual oppression. Oh, I'm sure, I, if, for sure. If not for possession, sure. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so then I'm like, I want him to go away for life. Yeah. And he, they did not put him away for life. Oh, they didn't. Well, not in those terms. Uh, what did they, they do? He could have he could have sentenced him to life without parole. Yeah. He could very well could have been like, he's gonna have life without parole. Yeah. But they sentenced him to 86 years. Okay. Okay. Um now he's 20, 
25 now, 25. So he was 18 years old. And yeah. part of the defense's plea, again, this is me going like, what is that he was so young that to put him, to give him life without parole is, in, and I don't know exactly what they like, in what terms they said it, but this was the case that they were making. It was like, you know, he was, he was only 18. He was, he was, he was a boy. He was, you know, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, to, to kind of put that kind of a, 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 a really hard line yeah. to determine the rest of his life is, you know, is, is squeezing out the opportunity for him to, to be, you know, be restored. And Indiana law is restored, rest, you know, restorative first kind of thing. And, um, and I'm just over here going like, I'm wrestling hard with it because I'm just like, I want I want him to have life without parole. Yeah, of course you do. And of course you do. I don't think there's any justification for it. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. And then the the ping pong was like, but is that Jesus's way? Mm. You know. So now I'm over here like conflicted mm. mm-hmm. by this. So that took a lot of processing for me over the past couple of weeks. And where now, are you at right now with it? Because, okay, help people understand. Because 86 years, in your mind, you go, well, that's, he's 25. That's his whole life, right? That's his whole life. However, right. basically, but, yeah, he could get some years taken off of that right. with impeccable behavior. Good behavior. Right? And and parole good, could be a part impeccable. of it. Impeccable. And like, he has oh, okay. to be. Like, and that level. was laid out. I was like, okay. he's going to have to be perfect, which is not going to happen. He's already been charged like 20 times with like, uh, citations in jail. He was like, he assaulted a guard just like a couple weeks ago. So it's just like, there's things where you're going, there's no way he's going to be, and he's got two other trials, a rape trial and another one that he's, oh. so it's good. And they're, and they're going to go after it being yeah. not concurrent, but consecutive sentencing. Gotcha. So concurrent would mean at the same time, consecutive yeah. be stacked yeah. up on yeah, top yeah. of Yeah. Okay. So this, so he'll be in jail for the rest of his life. life. Okay. I really do. And so that's provides some consolation to me, but then, but even the thought of it made me wrestle a little bit. It made me go like, well, why do you want him to go away for yeah. life? Is yeah. that okay to want mm. him to go away, go away for life? Mm. Like, why do you have the same, why do you, why do you not have the same compassion on him right now as, as you do with Deano and Jalen? And I know it probably to the listener sounds like, well, duh, Davey, it sounds obvious, right? They express remorse and he, you know, but I'm yeah. like, this is like personal wrestling that I'm having over here. So where are you And I'm that? believing and trusting in, I mean, as an idealist, having a big faith going, God, you can, you know. Yeah, so, right, right, right. So where, so where I am with it now? right now. And I think, and by the really way, I mean, I think we all know everyone would be wrestling with this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and so I'm just acknowledging all of that. But yeah. um, I was really wrestling with it a lot until... Christy pointed out this chapter in the book that she was mm. reading, this Tim Jennings book. And I was like, well, let me, hold on, let me read some of that stuff. And it was really beautifully put the way he, so I would encourage you to go and read this book, The God-Shaped Brain. But um, essentially what he said is that, I don't want to butcher this. Um, he essentially said that there's, there's two types of justice, retributive, and he, he calls it utilitarian. Other people call it restorative. Okay. Um, Retributive basically means eye for an eye punishment. It's it's yeah. a it's a punitive type of justice, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Something wrong, we're gonna punish you. Here, the crime. Yeah. Here's the consequence. Here's the crime. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's not all that bad, right? But it's just reality. He actually brings up some interesting studies about how, um, uh, that in 
there was a study done that in, let me see if I can get this right, where there was um, certain punitive laws uh, put in place that crime went down where there was more restorative leaning laws, crime went up. Interesting. So, which is very interesting, right? Yeah. But then he contrasted that with like, okay, what's, what is Jesus's term of justice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's some really powerful statements that he makes like biblical justice is delivering the oppressed, not punishing the oppressor. Say that one more time. Biblical justice is delivering the oppressed, not punishing the oppressor. Hmm. So hmm. Jesus's MO is always hmm. to try to restore somebody into alignment with him. Yeah. Yeah. But there are methods that he has to use sometimes to try to restore people into alignment. Yeah. Sometimes someone is being oppressed and so they're not able to be aligned. And so he has to deliver them from that oppression. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they sometimes they are the oppressor. Yeah. And he has to deliver the oppressed by removing the oppressor. Yeah. Yeah. And what we would call incarcerating. Yeah. Because what is happening that when the oppressor or the the perpetrator is mm-hmm. making decisions that are hurting other people. Yeah. It is he goes back to the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. It is deteriorating the prefrontal cortex faculties, mm. maligning their own character, mm. and is deteriorating their soul. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus is out of protection and love, even for the perpetrator, mm-hmm. says, if you're not able to, like the, the philosophy, this kind of, he kind of jumps on these philosophies. Yeah. You're not able to conduct yourself in a mature way in society. We've got to remove you from the pressures of that that are causing you to or that are invoking some of those decisions and incarcerate you to give you reprieve so that you can maybe begin to operate back in that prefrontal cortex in in reasonable nature rather than the limbic system, right? Yeah, yeah. That was really fascinating for me to because that helped me to untangle like is it okay for me to want someone to be put away for life Mm. and so what i finally boil it down to is like i don't necessarily want him to be put away for life i'm just not able to observe in him any kind of hint of remorse yeah yeah that would that would tell me that a lifetime incarcerated would even help him to be restored right right Right. That he wouldn't be a repeat offender, that somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. So so in Jesus is like just judicial, it's like I I I can't let you oppress anybody else. So we've got to remove you. Yeah. And it's going to be in it for as, as in Jesus' perfect justice, right? For such a time that it's gonna take for you to now be restored back in alignment with me. Yeah. To be able to operate in that space yeah. in a way that gives and serves and loves people. Yeah. Rather than destroys people. Yeah. And so that helped me to go, wait a minute. Yes, in Jesus's way, it's okay to uh, mm-hmm. maybe not as uh, binary as that, but like a, to ha- wish that somebody could go away for life, but but to it's okay for me to wish that he is gone. He is incarcerated for as long as it takes. That's it. 
for him to be restored. And if he is f too far gone, as this guy even talks about your conscious being so yeah, seared that you're too far be. gone, then for life. Yeah. Right? And that also, and, I mean, again, this is sort of a side point, but that also, it centers the victim and those being oppressed. And I think yeah. sometimes like we can, we can get, I, I'll appreciate this about Christians. We can be so concerned with like their criminal being restored, but we're, but it is okay to want justice for the victim and right, the oppressed. Right. Like that's who God aligns with most right. often. And right. so I, I think in that sense, it is, that's true justice, right? Because, right. Well, and that's yeah. and that's where that's what I would bring up, Aubrey, is that Jesus' way is going to be justice for both. That's it. That's it. And it's going to be a restoration of both. Yeah, yeah. So restoration for the criminal might yeah. mean restoration, right? And that actually that actually contributes to the justice for the victim. Yeah, right. Right. Because there's a redemptive thing there. Right. But that restoration for the criminal might also mean, mm -hmm. like, I'm it, the eternal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yep. damnation is a bad word for that, but eternal consequence. Um, yeah, the eternal consequence. Yeah, mm -hmm. this the, this is what uh, he said. This it was so interesting. He said, um, "Oh man, where's it? Oh, loving discipline is to save before eternal ruin occurs." Wow. That's what loving discipline is. Wow. And I was like, wow. oh, wow, that's really good. Wow, that's really good. So, so yeah, that helped me to, and then it also, uh, interesting that I went on that entire journey to go, all right, I trust you, Lord. <laughs> like, Well, that's what I wanted to come back to because you, you said something when we, when we started this conversation, which is now, I guess, an episode ago, um, <laughs> about you beginning to see God as judge. Yeah. And, and so... I guess talk about that. Is that part of you going, okay, Lord, I trust you. Yep. Ultimately, you're yep. the judge, capital J, over right. all this. Right. And it, it feels weird that that's where we've gotten back to because that's where I like started the wow. whole journey. But then there were so many things that untangled, you know, mm -hmm. that even or like that emerged throughout the past couple of months, the past couple of weeks, past month or so mm -hmm. that made me go like, it made me realize, wait, do I really trust God as judge? Or yeah. now I'm, I'm feeling this like visceral reaction about this or, I, or <laughs> right, this or right. you know? And then it brought me all the way back to the place of, no, God is judge. He's a better avenger than I am. That's right. He's going to fully restore. He's going to take care of this. Yeah. And earthly justice is always going to fall short. Yep. Always. Always. A shadow of God's justice. Yep. yep. Exactly. And, um, and yet it is sometimes a shadow. And so some of these structures that we have in place, these are good structures. Yeah, they do point to something. They point yeah. to something. And that's and and that's something, Tim, I wish I had the book in front of me. I would read it for you, but you yeah. got to go read this book. Like one of the things he says is he actually talks about like how in, a, in an imperfect world, we do have to create these structures that are not going to reflect perfectly God's justice, but there are going to on yeah. some level, yeah. you know, begin to uh, facilitate yeah. some of this stuff. And so, yeah. so it helped me a lot to kind of, mm you know, separate the two and bring the two together. Mm. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's exactly where it's at. And it's going, okay, Lord, the next chapter of our journey is just continuing to trust. So with Diano, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if I even have the courage to go and visit him in prison. I don't know what I would say. Yeah. Except God told that, you to, right? 
but I'm going to trust you with that because yeah. you said yeah. you need to go visit him. Yeah. Right. I don't know what you're trying to do in him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you're trying to do in me in that, but mm-hmm. somehow I got to, I got to obey. And so yeah. trust you in that. And, and same thing, like trust you with Larry, even though yeah. I'm not sure I'm completely pleased with the outcome of the, the sentencing, but yeah. I trust you with that. Yeah. And so, um, Whew. yeah. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a brief moment to let you know about a powerful resource that we have available for you. It's called the Pain to Purpose course. Now, I know many of you guys have heard of this, but in case you're new and you haven't heard of this, I wanted to make sure that you were in the know about this. Now, listen, if you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important Nothing is Wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11-video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this. I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces that were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm going to lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However, there are some common denominators that every pain to purpose story shares. And there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11 video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos and the fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is is very important to your healing journey. If the Pain to Purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling, but I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the Pain to Purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now, for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code PODCAST at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is PODCAST. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but you do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. Now back to this conversation.
talk about Davy. So obviously, I mean, this massive thing has happened. Seven years has kind of, at least this chapter has come to a close. Um, you and Christy needed to step away for a time just to process. I, mm-hmm. You don't need to go into the details of your time away, but I just think it'd be helpful for our people to hear. Like, you didn't just jump right back into like, okay, back to work on Monday. No, <laughs> like, I mean, I had to for like a week or two because yeah. I, I had... To yeah. go speak somewhere and I had yeah. to go, right? And yeah. because the past seven years have been, as we described it earlier, we finally were like, you know what? We're not changing or switching things around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be, I think is the Lord's providence that we had like a two week gap that we could have been like, hey, let's just go. T- we need to go take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> so, so we did, you know, and um, do you want me to talk about the processing then, Aubrey? What do you, I like, think so. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like maybe... Where are you now? I mean, some of it, you, I feel like you've said yeah. as you've talked about it, but well, maybe where are you now and then what are you that, like looking toward? Yeah, for sure. Some There was one thing that got majorly unearthed again. I thought that I had put to bed in the process of the trial. Um, you know, they, they talk about survivor's guilt. They talk, there were several mm. things like, and I write about this in, in my book, Nothing is Wasted. I write about this. I, there's a whole chapter called What If? And it's like all of the different things that if I had just done this a little bit differently, this would have totally changed the outcome of this. Yeah. And so you can reel those, you can reel over those like a lot. And I did for a while until yeah. the Lord really helped me settle that. And that's what I write about in settling that. That reemerged okay. because I saw more details and more quote unquote happenstance. Ways you could have. Oh my gosh, that yeah. maybe yeah. I could have thwarted it or somebody could have thwarted it. Like any one little one little thing different and it would have like totally been a different story. And you're going, like, I mean, the one that really I struggled with was like the time that I left that morning. I, I was late leaving. Hmm. I was frustrated with myself for leaving a little bit later than what I wanted to. Hmm. But my time in the word that morning was amazing. Wow. And I stayed in the word. Wow. I stayed in my time praying, reading the Bible, stayed in it longer than I wanted to, to go to the gym. And then I'm like, ah, okay, all right, I got to get going. Mm. So I leave and I go to the gym mm. and it was like, it was exactly the right time that they had backed in the stolen car to the garage, three doors down from my house. And one of them sitting in that car while the other two are loading it up. And they see me Leave. drive right by. Mm. And they take that opportunity to go, someone just left a house. We're going to go. Mm. And that, I like, I, w- I had to go wrestle with the Lord again and go like, yeah. and, and the Lord reminded me lovingly, he's like, Dave, you, we put this to bed. Like, Aww. don't bring this back up. We yeah. put it to bed. Yeah, This is not a matter of you being able to control any kind of circumstances. You have to yep. put your trust back in a sovereign God. Yeah. Everything is everything is a matter of providence. There are no coincidences. Yeah. There are no yeah. this is not a random string of events. Yeah. I think and, I've said this on the show before. There's a researcher, uh, I think her name is Mary Frances O'Connor, who writes about grief and neuroscience and she does talk about this. She calls them counterfactuals. Mm-hmm. Would have, could have, should have. And the, she says the problem is is there's literally an endless amount. There there's mm, an eternal it, amount yeah, of what ifs. And right. so all you do is spin in them. That's right. And until you can, like you said, put them to bed and just go, I literally can't change this. Right. You'll get stuck. Like, right. And and that's wild. Wild. One of the things that helped me, and this is what I write about, there were some things that happened before Amanda was killed 
that things that were like situations that were put into motion that ended up becoming reality like a couple of days later that was like God's in this. And so mm. like, for instance, this is mm. the crazy thing. I share this in the book. We have a friend, Amanda's dad was a pastor in Crawfordsville, part of his congregation in Crawfordsville back in that season when he was a pastor there was a funeral. He was a funeral director. There was a funeral director in his congregation. Crawfordsville's 45 minutes west of Indianapolis. And this funeral director, this guy was close friend of the family. He came to the hospital. They had received a mistaken shipment of a casket a couple of weeks before this. It was a, they did not order the casket. Come on. It was a mistaken shipment. It was made out of reclaimed barnwood. Oh. And Amanda's whole yeah. bit, her whole life, everything she like was reclaiming, mm. you know, wood, restoring furniture, mm. like all this stuff, right? Mm. They weren't sure what they were going to do with this casket. And as he left the hospital that day, he called his his wife and he goes, I know why we have that casket. So that those kinds of things happen multiple, like God was showing me those in the aftermath. He was showing me all these things that like, hey, Davey, I put some things in motion like yeah, weeks, yeah, months, yeah. years ago. I'm sovereign over this. Yes. And that was Which what could be hard to, to wrestle with, right? Because oh, then you go, God, why? But then why? Like, uh, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you ultimately have to rest like Job did. So God's that property. jumped me into a wrestling with God going, well, Whew. what does that say about your character? Yeah, right? And so, right? But that was the wrestling I needed to be in. Was not, mm -hmm. It was not the right, because that's like, okay, well, now we can... That's mm -hmm. like when Job, when he goes, okay, yeah. we'll put on your, put on your jock strap, essentially, right? Dress <laughs> right. yourself is what he tells right. Job. It's like, right. that's the real wrestling God wants we're us to be in. We're in the right, we're in the right not court the, now. We're in the right yeah. arena. We're in the right ring yeah. right now. Yeah, we're yeah. Not, not in this We're no longer fake. going like, well, what if uh -huh. I had done this? Or what if I had done mm -hmm. this? It's like, that's where the real healing can happen is going, mm -hmm. well, what about your character? And God's like, well, what do you think about my character? Mm. What have you assumed about my character? What have mm. you assumed about how I interact with you? And what, you know, how I, what I, what do I, how do I, feel about you. Mm. We far underestimate how much God loves us. Yep. Right? And we far underestimate how how much like it's like it's like God reveals shows us just like hit the depth of his love and yeah, all of this. Yeah, totally. Stuff, right? So true. Yeah. It's it's a shallow version of it until you start going to that wrestling and you're like, "Oh, yeah. wow, God, you really do love and you love Amanda and you love and you're oh, wow." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, mm. where where were that was a big wrestling and then now it is a um, what is kind of next because for seven yeah. years we've felt like, yes, our life has moved forward in so many different aspects, but it does feel like there's a close of a chapter in this sense that we're on the, on the edge of something, a precipice of something, right? Where it's like there's something new. Yeah. And I don't mean just like, overthrow everything and it's a whole brand Just new next, thing. That's not like I, next It's like there's season. okay now what's this next season and and yeah not a clue i yet. wish i could define that i don't know what yeah. that is yeah um obviously i know that the lord has given both christy and i a huge huge excitement and passion for this ministry yep um in a couple of weeks, we have Aubrey. You're going to be a part of it. We have a team advance where we're strategizing for 2023. Yep. Can't so wait for excited that. about that. So excited about what God has next. God is opening up doors like crazy right now for churches. 
for us to get pain to purpose into churches. It's awesome. I've had lots of conversations recently with like, not just local church pastors and church leaders, but like network leaders, Yeah. you know, denomination yeah. leaders, stuff like that, where God's just opening up. So yeah. these folks who are gate doorkeepers, gatekeepers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the resounding sentiment is this ministry, this curriculum, pain to purpose, is so needed in the church. Mm. Like it is, it is like being welcomed. Wow. With like, oh, it's just like we need this, we need this badly, right? Yeah. And uh, and then I'm. You know, and just the past couple of weeks, I've gotten to travel to a couple of different churches that we've done the Pain to Purpose course at, and they've run it a few times. And I just keep getting people coming up going, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much this has changed my life. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much this has changed my Beautiful. life. And one of the things, yeah, you know, I, I hope this is okay to share, but like one of the things that God has, re- well, I'm not going to share what I was going to share because it's putting someone on the spot. I didn't okay. ask permission to share this. Okay. But, one of the things that God um, just kind of whispered to me early on, he used Christy to kind of bring the seed of thought, but it goes beyond Christy. Um, he was like, Davey, I'm going to redeem you and your story and Amanda's story. I'm going to redeem this, but it's not going to stop there. Hmm. Your redemption is going to be more about other people's redemption. Hmm. Mm. And that's that is so much more life giving and fulfilling, yeah. Than just like getting to the end of a yeah a chapter of life and going, all right, I felt like you redeemed my story. Thanks, yep. God. The that end. feels so selfish right. and so like me centered. <laughs> yeah. But then like when God was like, hey, this isn't going to be just yeah for you. Oh, don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of you. Yeah. This is going to be for the world. Mm. It was like, and I'm, and I'm watching, I've had several conversations with people recently Mm. and I wish I had their permission to share these conversations, but who literally have said that, like Mm. people who were in the courtroom with us during this going, you know, we sat there and just thought about like, we couldn't reconcile the fact that this happened to Amanda Mm. and how our life is so much better. Our marriage is restored. Mm. Our like we're following Jesus now. Mm. We're healed from our trauma mm. now. Mm. All because of this one mm. thing. Mm. This horrific awful mm. horrible thing that happened. Yeah. To Amanda Grace Blackburn. Mm. You know, like, I I don't know how to reconcile that. I'm yeah. grateful and yeah. horrified all at the same time. Totally. And I'm like, welcome to the past seven years of our life. <laughs> and I feel like that that's going to continue to be the unfolding story. Mm-hmm. And then I think about it. I'm thinking about just how like, I think about Amanda smiling. And I'm like, you know, really all of us would want our life to unfold mm-hmm. with that kind of a legacy and impact. Well, that's what, that's what I was saying. I obviously didn't know Amanda, but from everything I've I've heard of her, I feel like wouldn't she, isn't she so taking such pleasure in this? Not in her own, not in the way that her life ended, which was unjust, but in like, right. she would want this to be her legacy. Right. 
And what a kind God that in the middle of this darkness is somehow honoring honoring that and bringing change and healing and hope and restoration. I mean, you know, mm. who are we mortals that you're mindful of us, God? And yet you are. Yeah. That's just what this moment is, you know. Right. Oh, right. Davy. Well, I mean, that's all I have. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the right place to end. So thank you it. for thank you for sharing with everybody your Yeah this part of the journey anyway. Yeah. And I'm crying, so I'm guessing everybody else is too. <laughs> uh, well, I, I apologize that I'm wordy and mm, nope. long-winded, but I no, appreciate good. you guys letting me even process it out a little bit here. On yeah. This, on this Some meeting. things need words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Spoken like a true four. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, oh. Well, thanks guys for joining us. Yeah, thanks for being here this with us, everybody. This special yeah. episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being there with me and our family through this entire journey. And um, really excited for what the Lord has to come. Yeah, that's right. So appreciate you, Aubrey. Thanks for creating the space. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for being so open. <laughs>